Many people call this season Advent. It's a time of preparation, preparing for salvation, as Dennis said last week, preparing for the good news, preparing for the Savior. Do not be afraid, said the angel. I bring you good news that will be for great joy for all people. Unto us is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Last week, Dennis reminded us that the great joy of this message is that we can know God, that he is our mighty protector and preserver. And, and if you missed that, do just check that message out. It set me up for this time, and I hope it's going to set you up. God with us. God with us. I hope you're ready for Christmas. I hope you're getting there. I've done my Christmas shopping. Who's done their Christmas shopping here? I've bought Flissy her. She's not here, I'll tell you. Keep a secret, will you? I have bought Fliss a brand new trolley jack. <laughs> it's wonderful. I'm into cars, and I saw this trolley jack, and I thought Fliss would love that trolley jack. And she might let me use it sometimes as well. So anyway, you won't tell her, will you? We're thinking about presents, we're thinking about gifts, but of course, as you already know, and I don't have to tell you, at the heart of this is God's gift to us. He gave first, therefore we give to others. Let's read the account in Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together... She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home to be your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. A wonderful passage, a wonderful stirring passage, and rightly so. Two names there, two titles, two explanations. The angel says to Joseph, Mary's going to have a son, and you are to call him Jesus. That name was not particularly uncommon, but it was important, it was loaded, because it meant he will save his people from their sins. It was a popular name, Jesus. And doesn't that just lend something? Doesn't that tell us something about the mentality of the people to whom Jesus came? They were looking forward to that time when God would send a savior. From Abraham onwards, throughout the prophets, through David, there was this awareness there was this understanding that God was going to send his Savior to the world. And people were hungry for that. They were yearning for that. You may be longing for Christmas for all sorts of reasons. Maybe tomorrow you're going to be getting on a plane and fly, flying off to some 
far-flung part of the world to be reunited with your family. I met people last Sunday who were saying they were going to Australia, they were going to South Africa to be reunited with their family. A great longing was there. Longing is part of being human, and, and in Christ we find the sum of all of our longings. But God's people at this time were one in this. They were longing for the Savior of the world. And this incredible moment when the angel came to Joseph and spoke of this event in his lifetime, not only his lifetime, but in his family, Jesus, who was going to be the one who saved his people from their sins. You know, it is extraordinary. You know, we can look back then and say, oh, how terrible it was, and, and what was the world like? It was barbaric. You know, when I was teaching the Jonah series, as many of you know, I was describing Nineveh as the third Reich of its day. But hey, this week alone, the news that has come to us is that we are a people that are deeply marred. When you think about that terrible, terrible massacre in Newton, Connecticut, I hope you're praying for those families and that community. Don't just be aghast and horrified by it. Pray for that family. And the motives are unclear. It's not, you know, a teacher who wasn't given the promotion he needed or whatever else, not that anything can justify that kind of a massacre it was just still unclear. Maybe it will become clear, but it says this loud and clear in letters six foot high, we need a savior. There is something wrong in the heart of mankind. And it stems back to the earliest of days, the very earliest days, where one of us, scripture has it that his name was Adam, one of us, sinned and set into motion a catastrophic catalog of events which has overtaken us all and in which we're all involved and all participate and add now that little event in the Garden of Eden, as the scripture has it, led to such catastrophe that rebellion against God could not be put right. It fractured something profound. On Tuesday, Fliss and I are going to see The Hobbit at the cinema. We're looking forward to it. We enjoyed the Lord of the Rings trilogy. How many of you, just out of interest, saw The Lord of the Rings or have seen the... Well, look at that, a forest of hands. Do you remember that awesome moment? Awesome is probably not the right word. But there's that moment where Gandalf and, and the team, the hobbits, and the, his... The, you know, his, all his helpers are traveling through Mount Moriah. And it's a dark, evil, desolate place. And they've got to hurry through. And they take a little break in this small room, this small chamber. And while they're there, Pippin, one of the hobbits, brushes against this bucket perched on the edge of a well. Remember that? That innocent brush of an elbow or whatever it was and this bucket tumbles down the well. There's a silence, and then bang, clatter, 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 bang, bang, clatter, bang, bang, clatter. 
And Gandalf, the leader of the, the little team, looks at Pippin as if he could throttle the boy. And then silence falls. And then, boom. 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 From deep within the mines. And they have to run for their lives because all hell breaks loose. That simple, stupid, foolish moment resulted in a cacophony of sound and terror in which Gandalf himself loses his life. You know the story. If you don't, watch the movie. You'll see it. One, one man caused our disaster, and we have participated in that. But the good news is this, that if one of us did that, one of us will save us. All we need is a spotless saviour. All we need is one who has not sinned, one who has not rebelled against God, who has lived a perfect life. Hands up if you want to volunteer. And therein lies the problem. The scripture says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Not one of us can save ourselves, let alone another. And that's the terrifying dilemma we find ourselves in. But God himself has a solution. And the solution is himself. The second title, the second name that the angel says that this baby boy will have is Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. And I've been particularly struck on this. I've been thinking about that and reading about it and meditating and praying. You know, I have been a Christian a little while now. And so Christmas comes around and you find yourself saying, what's more to say? Hasn't it all been said? And I'm hungry to deepen my faith and hungry to go deeper into the things of God. And I have spent time thinking and praying about God with us, Emmanuel. And then something began to happen, as often happens in my daily life, that set me thinking. You know, we have a number of grandchildren now. We're buying presents, toys for them. My, my own children, first of my children, are in, in the, all in their 30s now. That my eldest just celebrated her 38th birthday, which is a bit of a sobering thing, really. Because I don't feel old enough to have a 38-year-old daughter. And I don't look old enough to, to have a... Oh, forget it, then. You're just too slow off the mark. I don't feel old enough to have 30-year-old kids. But we've got grandkids now, and we're buying toys again, and it's a lot of fun. And Fliss and I were smiling the other day. We remember how our second daughter, Jessie, when she was little, we bought her a Cabbage Patch doll. Now, some of you are going to show your age now. Who knows what I'm talking about when I say Cabbage? Some of the blokes know. Well, that's a bit scary. A Cabbage Patch doll. And our daughter, Jessie, she loved this little Cabbage Patch doll. She took it everywhere. She was inseparable. And every night when she said her prayers, she would say, please, Jesus, may my Cabbage Patch doll come alive. She loved it so much. It was a baby. It was her baby. And she wanted it 
to come alive. Can I just ask you, I'm interested to know, how many of you have ever prayed when you were kids, please let my toys come alive? Anybody ever do that? Some of you. It's a dream come true for a lot of kids, isn't it? Just watch this little trailer. This will sort of capture the mood of it. Thank you, Matt. Yes, sir. Establish a recon post downstairs. Code red, repeat. We are at code red. Recon plan, Charlie. Execute. Move, 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 move. It's a... It's a big one. Walt Disney Pictures presents a totally new animated motion picture event. Star Command, come in. Do you read me? The story of two toys. Oh, there seems to be no sign of intelligent life anywhere. Hello? Oh, yeah! Ah! Headed for a showdown. My name is Woody. This is my spot. Ah! I am Buzz Lightyear. I come in peace. You are a child's plaything! You are a sad, strange little man. And playing by their own rules. Draw! Fuck me again! I don't like confrontations! Buzz, look an alien! Where? Ah! You're mocking me, aren't you? <laughs> oh, impressive wingspan. Very good. Oh, what? What? He can't fly. Yes, I can. Can't. Can. Can't. 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 The adventure takes off when toys come to life. To infinity and beyond. Toy Story. Look out! Can. <laughs> Give him a clap. I love that. I, I, I found myself, that'll probably be on at Christmas if he wants to catch the rest of the movie. It's a lot of fun, isn't it? There's three of them now. But, but I found myself looking at that clip, and I was thinking about Woody there. He was the cowboy character. And he says to Buzz Lightyear, the spaceman, he says, you are a child's plaything. And that struck me. That struck me because Woody is the kind of hero of the three films. And Woody exhibits love, compassion, loyalty, courage, leadership. He has many, many fine human qualities. But what must it be like for Woody to have all of those fine qualities, many of which we might aspire to, and find yourself in that gangly, ragdoll type of body. That's difficult. That's difficult. He has all the attributes, all the qualities, all the inspirational aspects of leadership that we might want to be. And yet there he is in this gangly, ragdoll body. And I find myself asking the Lord, how was that for you? You see, this Jesus, this baby, is more than just another very special baby, and every baby is special, of course. This Jesus, this Emmanuel, is unique because he is God. God has come down in human flesh, to become the perfect one that can be one of us to pay the price for our sin. But what must that be like for him? You see, God is 
omnipotent. God can do anything at any time. God is all-powerful. In our own little way here in St. Albans, we know that to be true because we've seen him do healing miracles. And I mean, just read the stories in our, in, on our website, Sunday be Sunday. And nobody does a great song and dance of it. You know, we don't hold a national feast or holiday because somebody gets healed or something like that happens. But Sunday be Sunday, we see people healed in this place. We know God does that. We cannot But as we pray, he blesses. God is omnipotent. How must it be for the omnipotent God to be reduced? Not just to a man, but prior to that, a gangly teenager with hormones popping off and acne and goodness knows what. What must it be like for God to be a little child in the playground, as it were, with all the kind of dynamics of, of, of play and bruised knees and children could be cruel to one another? What must it be like to, for an omnipotent God to reduce himself to that? And it's not just omnipotent. The omniscience of God, these words, these omni-words are words that theologians and Bible scholars for centuries have distilled down when when they're trying to wonder at the character of God. What must it be like from an omniscient God, the creator God, the creator of everything, who was, who is, and will ever be, to be reduced to not just a man or a teenager or a child, but to a baby. What must it be like to be reduced to that? And it's not just omnipotence, it's not just omniscience. What it, must it be like from an omnipresent God? You live and I live and have my being under the eye of an all-seeing God. You may have come to faith this past year. You may now be celebrating your first Christian Christmas. But even when you were far away from God, he was not far away from you. He saw every tear, every cry, Every cruel moment when you meted out cruelty to another, he saw every moment of that. God does not live in our human timeline. He is, he, he is beyond that and can intersect at any moment. He's aware of it all. What must it be like from an omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God to be reduced down into a thetus. What must that be like? And yet that's the truth. Because he is truly God and truly man. The scripture says there's no temptation that humanity has ever undergone that God does not know from first-hand experience. What must it be like? And I find myself at this stage in my life saying to God, 
I love Christmas. I love this season of giving. I love this Christmas craziness. I'm not one of these, these sad Christians that go around saying, oh, all this tinsel is rubbish and all the rest of it. I say, bring it on. Let's go crazy. Why? Because we've got something to go crazy about. Bring it on. I have no time for these Christians who kind of say, oh, it's too commercial. Hey, bring it on. And take those precious moments where God intersects and, and take every opportunity that he gives. I had a wonderful opportunity on Friday night. Didn't tell the last congregation, but I forgot about it. Fliss and I went to uh, my car club's annual dinner dance. What are you laughing about? It was fabulous. <laughs> all these triumph fans and all the rest of it. I've only been in the club, this particular club, for a few months, really. And the leader of our club came up to me just before the service. He's not a Christian. He's not a man of faith. But he said, Chris, I hope you don't mind me asking, but would you mind giving thanks at the beginning of the service? What should I call you? And I said, well, call me Reverend Chris Lane. He said, okay, right. So I had this, just this little opportunity in that club where, you know, a lot of blokes doing blokish things, but we all fell silent. And I thank God for the friendships, for the fun we'd had, and that we were able to sit down and share this meal. And I said, let's all say amen, and they said amen. Don't turn your nose up all this Christmas stuff. Embrace it. Enjoy it. God loves it. Because at the heart of it, and that's what we must carry with us, is this truth that God is with us. Thank you. I've got one last little video clip. Gone a bit mad on the old video clips this morning. When I was doing my prayer and study and research, just for myself as much as anything, I came across this little clip. It's a few of the highlights of a Christmas sermon. Don't worry, I'm not going to sit through another 40 minutes of a sermon now. It's the highlights. But what a sermon. This sermon was given on Christmas Eve in 1854 by Charles Spurgeon. It's over a hundred years old. The video clip lasts three minutes or so. It's like a meditation, really. And I've watched it two or three times. And you know what? I have used it, and I invite you to use it now as three minutes, if you like, just to catch your breath. To kind of recalibrate yourself. So that the very heart of yourself is not concerned about whether Auntie Flo will be comfortable in the spare bedroom or whether we will catch that train or whether we can afford to do it. You know, all these things that happen, and I know about it. But as followers of Jesus and those who aspire to be followers of Jesus, let's just take these precious moments before the craziness begins. 
just to put that truth, that Jesus is my Savior, our Savior, that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, and he is the very center of what we're about here at Vineyard.